una y dos y dos una y dos Hello and welcome to Cortez NYC Livestream, the podcast. This show broadcasts twice a week out of New York City. We are your hosts, Cortez NYC. And Carla de Puerto Rico. And on the show, we talk about art, creativity, city life. From a Latino perspective, I'm a visual artist. And I'm a singer. And this is episode 51. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and Spotify, and also on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. And you guys, if you want to support an artist, yours truly, mm. your favorite artist in the whole uh-huh. wide world, uh, you can support me by going to my online store and buying something. I got stickers, I got pins, I got posters, and I got original art. All you got to do is go to www.cortezenyc.com bigcartel.com that's Cortez with an S nyc.bigcartel.com and check out my artwork and buy something yeah. alright guys let's get this going I feel like I've been waiting my whole life for this episode why the horror episode oh no i hate it <laughs> oh no <laughs> i know i don't like to be scared then i have nightmares you know the funny thing is um i always liked horror movies growing up i yeah? always liked yeah i always liked all that stuff growing up i never really considered myself a horror artist mm-hmm um, even though I do skulls and stuff like that in my pieces, but yeah. I never associated it with horror. And I think whenever I made my my skulls or things look too horrific, mm-hmm. I I tried to pull back a little bit because mm-hmm. I because that's not my intention. My intention is not to make it a a horror image. Yeah. My intention is different. It's yeah. symbolic with the skulls. It's not to scare you or to make you feel disgusted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I never consider myself a horror artist. But I am most definitely a horror fan, mm-hmm. even though my fan for horror and scary movies has kind of faded away mm-hmm. in the past, I don't know, past 15 years, I think. It's kind of faded away. I think what, what is making my love for horror movies fade away is all the CGI, yeah, all the computer-generated stuff. It's just making it too fake. Yeah, and the stories now are not really that deep either. No. They're just like, ah, get scared. Ah, get scared. Or, or, or be disgusted. Like, <laughs> or be disgusted. But not, but not disgusted. See, back in the day, they, they would make you feel disgusted because they would create puppets and do things uh-huh. that would... And, and the sound effects. And, and they would like do things that made it like... Like you just felt that it was more real. Yeah. Like hands-on. Even yeah. though you knew it was fake, but it just felt more like, like you can touch it and, and mm-hmm. you know, it was tangible. Mm-hmm. So... It made it more disgusting. Mm-hmm. And and so then you really felt weird inside. You felt yeah. like you were going to throw up. Like you were like, oh, this is pretty gross. Yeah. Even if it was fake. Yeah. But now, mm-hmm. because it's all so clean and perfect and like a lot of it is a lot of CGI or, or a lot of fake stuff that just is done badly mixed with a lot of CGI. It just feels more like, like oh, look how, how well they did that. It's, it's really well done exactly it's really clean it's, yeah it's, very it's really clean. beautiful actually <laughs> yeah. beautiful uh, bloody scene yeah but for me i was always scared of scary movies i was not a fan even i used to go to scary movies um with my friends mm-hmm. just to be with my eyes closed 
or another thing that I used to do. Just to be with my eyes closed. It's like if I would go on dates, I'll make sure that it's like a scary movie to be like, oh my god, I'm so scared, and you know. Oh whatever. my god! Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Really? But um, but and then um, now I see the movies that I used to be scared of uh, when I was younger, and I'm like, wow, that's nothing. I don't know why I was so scared about this type of movies, but I think it was all about the story behind it and me thinking that, oh my god, it's gonna be so bloody, or it's right. gonna be, I'm gonna have nightmares, literally. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's good to rediscover horror movies. Yeah. And horror everything. So, horror themes. So for this art for this art talk, I wanted to talk about horror and art. Mm-hmm. And I figured the best thing that I could do cuz I don't really have a story behind me as, a, as like let's say I'm a horror artist. Mm-hmm. The best thing I could do is talk about some of my favorite artists in horror that are that are horror artists, right? Um not just painters, but in this case, because I just said I, I used to be a, a horror movie fan, is uh, maybe some of the directors or producers of horror movies that I, you know, I grew up that that really inspired me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. See, when I was a kid, because of the special effects, yeah. there was a time period where they had a magazine out called Fangoria, and Fangoria is a funny name, you know, fan like yeah. you're a fan of it, Angoria, Fangoria. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was basically a magazine that would show you all the behind-the-scenes photos of the artists doing all the special effects. Uh, so they w- you would see, like, the guy who sculpted the decapitated head posing next to the photo, you know, of the head. Mm-hmm. Or the guy missing an arm in the movie. Mm-hmm. And they would show you these behind-the-scenes before the movie would come out to kind of tease you into wanting to see the movie. Yeah, and, but also to show you the creativity the behind the horror that you're going to go watch. And it was always creepy. I mean, when you when you were to pick up that magazine and look at it, it yes. felt it felt like you were looking at a, a whole magazine full of blood. And I'm looking at the magazine now on oh, the online? internet, yeah, <laughs> on Google, and it looks crazy because they they have in full page the first the the first page uh, the cover of the magazine is the the face of that horrific. Uh, character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's either the alien or Freddy Krueger or yeah. whomever else. Yeah. No, and and uh, when you look through it, through it, you would find people that are like with their guts sticking out or like missing an arm or whatever, oh and they would God. they would show you a very perfect photo of it, mm-hmm. crystal clear. That even in a movie you wouldn't see because in a movie it happens fast and you don't mm-hmm. you don't really get to see it. So it was an opportunity for you to see that still image yeah. of that gross thing, Ew. right? <laughs> but it was art. I mean, it was amazing the way these people would do this. It was, if you're, especially, you know, growing up in this time period, you would, you would want to see this because you were like, wow, that's really amazing how they do that. Nowadays, nowadays, if you want to see some gruesome stuff, you can see the real thing yeah, online. Exactly. And that's the part that gets a little gross and a little weird. And it's like, maybe that's why that magazine or that kind of vibe kind of faded. It faded away because now... You can actually see, you know, real disgusting stuff online, and, and they're real, and they're real, and, and it's yeah. and it's a whole different story. Then. Yeah. Um, but I okay. So back to these artists. So there was a lot of makeup artists and people that were really great. But I wanted to go through some of my favorites, um, people that are like I said, either painters, artists, or directors, or writers. 
Um, and the first one here encompasses everything. And my first one on my list is Clive Barker. I don't know if you're familiar with Clive Barker. Probably not. No. Carla is nodding. No, no. Wagging her head saying, no, um, no, yeah. no, no. I don't know who <laughs> Clive Barker is. All right. So Clive Barker, born in 1952, is an English writer, film director, and visual artist. Now, that's, that's something I didn't know early on. I found out later because uh, he had a comic book series also. So Clive Barker is... Uh, I'll continue. Clive Barker came to prominence in the 1980s with a series of short stories, The Books of Blood, which I did read one of them, um, which established him as a leading horror writer. Mm. He has since written many novels and other works, and his fiction has been adapted into films, notably Hellraiser, oh. Candyman, which you started watching yeah. a couple of minutes ago yeah. on Netflix, um, and he was also exec executive producer of film Gods and Monsters. Oh. Um, Clive Barker, uh, his paintings and illustrations have been featured in galleries in the United States, as well as within his own books. He has created original characters and series for comic books, um, and some of his more popular horror stories have been adapted to comics. Um, so Clive Barker, basically, his fame is, is Hellraiser. He's the guy who made Hellraiser happen. Mm -hmm. um, he was a writer who, when in the 80s, when everybody was kind of like, still on this high about Stephen King. Yeah. The guy, Stephen King is the guy who wrote Carrie yeah, and yeah. Uh, um, Cujo. The and thing? No, Stephen King wrote... Um, he wrote The Shining. The Shining, yeah. Uh, but no, I don't, It. 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 He wrote It yeah. also, yeah. Um, and everybody was high on Stephen King. Clive Barker comes in and Clive Barker writes these short stories called Books of Blood. And basically what he did is he just focused on the gore, the horror, um, the otherworldness. Yeah. This thing about like you're, you go into another dimension. All his stories are kind of with this thing where you go into another dimension where things are um, kind of like sadomasochistic. Mm -hmm. Like they're kind of masochistic yeah. and they're kind of like you know enjoying blood and enjoying the torture yeah. and enjoying like that kind of world hmm. that back then was he was just lightly touching it mm -hmm. eventually horror movies went deep into it and, yeah, that, and exactly. then you started getting into movies where they just only focused on torture like saw like saw and, and those kind of movies yeah. right but early in the 80s what he did is he invented a supernatural world with some of these elements in it and it was exciting mm -hmm. um more than Stephen King. Stephen King was like supernatural and, ooh, I'm going to scare you. And uh, clowns <laughs> and, you know, scary dogs and yeah. things like that. Just regular things that had like a supernatural background. Clive Barker flipped it. Mm. Um, and especially creating his own universe, like Hellraiser, something that nobody had ever done, where it was like this we weird other dimension where you have this puzzle box and you open it and you go into the dimension and these people are here to torture you and and anybody could fall victim to this. And it's almost in your like in your in your nightmares and you're you know come mm. to life nightmares that you never even thought of exactly basically yeah, yeah yeah things that you never even imagined coming to life um but then what i learned later on after his movies came out and all that is he had a graphic a graphic novel he, his artwork became a graphic novel mm. so he was actually a painter and he would sketch a lot of these things out so he had his imagination you know he had illustrations of this kind of themes and, yeah. and these things and I'm sure that helped him in, in the process of writing oh, and in yeah, the process exactly. of be, being part of 
making these movies, right? Exactly. Um, so I think that's pretty exciting. I think he was a really, uh, a, a, a very, he was inspiring in the sense of being a very um, different kind of artist, right? Because mm -hmm. he's in the horror genre, but a different kind of horror genre, yeah. like a, a kind of horror artist. But also the fact that he was so multiverse, that he was a writer exactly. and an artist and, a, you know, the fact that he did all these things, I think that kind of was inspiring. Um, so Clyde Barker, yeah, and he's English, right? So he's from out there. So complete. Yeah, complete, complete artist. artist. I think he he definitely personifies a lot of things that that I would say um, uh, I admire uh, about artists if they can yeah. do all these things. Yeah. Um, so the next person on my list is H.R. Geiger, which Carla, do you know who H.R. Geiger is? No idea. I have and no idea. Carla moves her head and says so, she does not know. Enlighten me. <laughs> Uh, so H.R. Geiger um, is H.R. Geiger is, was a Swiss painter best known for airbrush images of humans and machines linked together in a cold biomechanical relationship. So he liked to do things where he would mix humans and machines in a bio, what they call biomechanical mm -hmm, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Later, he abandoned his airbrush work for pastels, markers and ink. He was part of the special effects team that won an Academy Award for the design work for the film Alien. Mm. Wow. In Switzerland, there are two theme bars that reflect his interior designs and his work has a permanent display at the H.R. Geiger Museum. Um, his style has been adapted to many forms of media, including record album covers, furniture, tattoos, etc. Um, so his big claim to fame was Alien. Alien. The mm -hmm. first Alien movie. Later on, they took his designs and continued to go with the rest of the sequels, and and they, the the, the movie industry adapted his tech, his his style, his design, yeah. and yeah. turned it into like, they ran with it basically, you know. But the original was his invention. Yeah. Um, and you see it. I mean, if you see his paintings, you see that that's where Alien came from, and those were his original paintings. Yeah, those those paintings they look amazing. Yeah. They look out of this world and. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool. so, I mean, H.R. Geiger, I would say, I was a kid. Uh, I think Alien came out in 70 something. I, I was a very young kid when I went to see it and I saw it in the theaters and I shouldn't have probably. No. Um, but it was very inspiring when I first saw it. It was a real horror movie. It was scary. It was thrilling. It was new. It was shocking. Back then, it was like, You know, back then there, there was a, the, the generation of Jaws, the movie Jaws. Yeah. Where a shark would come after you in the water and it would terrify you and something was hunting you, right? So yeah. they took it and they turned it into, well, what if an alien was doing that in outer space? Until then, in outer space, they never had that. Mm -hmm. You know, people were so focused on the science fiction of going to outer space that they never thought about scaring you in outer space. Exactly. And they always focused on like the cowboy in outer space shooting and the good guys and the bad guys. And they never said, well, what if it was just an alien hunting you, mm -hmm. an animal hunting you? And I think they brought it to life really well. And after that movie came out and after years passed is when I learned about the artist behind the alien. And I even had the toy when it first came out. Uh, and, I, and I remember my mother saying that I used to run around the house with that toy. I, I never let that toy go. That toy was like my favorite little toy. Because it was so, I mean, back then, I look at the toy now and it looks ridiculous. It, it had no details compared yeah, yeah, to like yeah, yeah. what they do now. But for me back then, that toy had, had a lot of detail. And it was unique. Right? It was unique. And the, the head, the top of the head glow, glowed in the dark. And uh. it, it was amazing. It was an amazing thing. Um, but later on, I learned about the artist. 
when I, when I was older, I was a teenager, I learned about that he was an actual painter. And I looked him up and I found books on him and everything. And I started learning that he was an airbrush artist and all that. And I was like blown away, you know. And then when they, they talked about this concept of the biomechanical, yeah, it made so much sense. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. after you see Aliens, the movie, mm-hmm. and you see how this alien is coming out of this spaceships and he's hiding in the spaceships. He's hiding within the tubes and all the stuff and, and, and against the walls. Mm-hmm. And then you realize like, like that made, they illustrated to you so perfectly. Yeah. And it makes sense. And then when you see his paintings, it just looks like, duh. Like, this makes total sense. If you would have shown me the paintings first, I would have never understood what it was about. Mm-hmm. I would have never got it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, there's actually a documentary on his work um, on Netflix. Uh, I saw some of it. I really want to finish watching it. Um, it, it. It told me some things that I didn't know about him. But for the most part, it, the documentary covers a lot of stuff that I already knew. Mm-hmm. That's why I think I stopped watching. But but um, it covers a lot of his 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 background of the rest of the stuff that he's done since alien yeah and the guy's a little creepy in a way he's like eccentric he's Mm -hmm. like a european eccentric kind of character Mm -hmm. um so it's not like the kind of person that you would say hey guys i love hr geiger's work check it out like isn't he amazing (laughs) like i don't think anybody would do that because he is a little like odd and he's a little eccentric He's not a, a fine artist or a contemporary artist like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he did get held into this horror concept. Yeah. Um, but I think he's an amazing artist. So. I mean, that was genius to create yeah. a character that will continue to be iconic I, forever. And, and that other people would take your design of an alien and say, from now on, aliens have to be this, this or, way. or more. Oh, exactly. Or more than that. Yeah. You have to, now you have to flip it. Yeah. Yeah, that that was amazing. Um, All right, so the next person on my list is somebody that also is in the movie industry, John Carpenter. Okay. Carla, do you know who John Carpenter is? No, I don't know. And Carla says no, she does not know who John Carpenter (laughs) is. I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) But I'm learning. I'm I'm looking up and I'm learning. Okay, so John Carpenter um, is an American filmmaker, screenwriter, musician, and composer. Oh, wow. So, and I'll talk about his music in a minute. Yeah. Although Carpenter has worked with various film genres, he is associated most commonly with horror, action, and science fiction films in the 1970s and 80s. Okay. Which is my time. That yeah. was my, that was when I was growing up, and that's why I'm such a fan of his. Mm-hmm. Um, most films in Carpenter's career were initially commercial and, and critical failures, hmm. with the notable exceptions of, and because he was like, he was a, a director of movies that were like kind of like B or C level movies. They weren't like top movies. But, and this is why he's relevant right now, still relevant. Notable exceptions of Halloween, mm. the original Halloween, 1978. Yeah. The Fog, which is another amazing movie that I grew up on in 1980. The Fog, that's a that. great movie. And they remade it and it was okay, but the original is still the best. Okay. Escape from New York, another one of my favorites from 1981, Escape from New York. Starman, I'm not a fan of. Um, however, many of Carpenter's films from the 1970s and 80s have become considered cult classics, and he's best acknowledged for his influence as an influential filmmaker. The cult classics Carpenter has directed include Dark Star, Assault on Precinct 13, The Thing, which is a great yeah. horror movie, The Thing. Mm-hmm. Christine, which is a Stephen King movie, but he directed. Big Trouble in Little China, which is a weird movie, but a good one. <laughs> Prince of Darkness, They Live in the Mouth of Madness. And then he returned to the Halloween franchise as both composer and executive producer for the horror sequel, 
2018 Halloween, the one that's in theaters right now. Oh, wow. Okay. So he's, for the movie that's out now, the Halloween that's in the theater now, he's the producer, executive producer and composer. Now, so why John Carpenter? Well, obviously all those movies that I mentioned that inspired me, the early movies, even Escape from New York is not a horror movie, but it's in a, a really amazing dark view of of, of a, an alternate universe of New York City. Yeah. Um, the Fog, scary movie. Like when I was a kid, that was that was like scary and creepy and, and, and tense. But what all these movies have in common is the music. Mm. And like they gave him credit, musician, filmmaker, screenwriter, and composer. Yeah. Okay. His music, what he did with a, a real basic synthesizer. Yeah. If I play some of the music for you, you're going to be like, holy shit. Like, this is iconic. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? This guy was genius. He was genius for what he did. It's simple. You know, like the Halloween is. That's all he did. That's it. But that became a staple of what is a scary sound. Scary, yeah. Um, in in Escape from New York, there's a certain type of synthesizer sound effect that he does a deep bass sound that just it just when you hear it, you're like, this is dark. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm going into some some dark shit. The movie The Thing also has this dark mm-hmm. sy- synthesized like drone sound that yeah. it kind of like hums you into a mode. Yeah. All right. And this was his music that he made. And, and I've seen interviews with him where he kind of explained that he made his own music because, hey, I might as well. Why not? Like, exactly. whether it's the budget, there was no money to hire a composer, or he just felt like maybe he could do it better. Mm-hmm. Maybe he understood the subject better. Mm-hmm. So he did it himself. And uh, I think his versatility, I, I, I guess you're getting that image that a lot of the people that I'm talking about, you know, the, the first guy, uh, you know, John Carpenter, and then the first guy, uh, Clyde Barker. Yeah. They're multi-talented artists. They're yeah, artists yeah, that yeah. are mixed media. Mm-hmm. And and I, I admire that. And I think it, it comes across in the final product. They create... The things that they're known for are big. They're right. epic. Right. They're not just like little things. They're things that that are timeless, like we said exactly. in the previous episode. Exactly. You know, yeah. And it's for a reason. It's because these people are really actually artists. They're actually genius. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's John Carpenter. Love him. Love him, love him, love him. And the last person on my list, and I'm going to close it with this guy. And this is kind of like an honorable mention. This is Robert Kirkman. Carla, do you know who Robert Kirkman is? No. Carla says no. Okay. I'm not a huge fan of Robert Kirkman, but I am a fan of one of his projects, The Walking Dead. Oh, okay. Robert Kirkman uh, is an American comic book writer best known for co-creating The Walking Dead. Um... Basically, Walking Dead, for anybody who, I'm sure a lot of people out there are fans of The Walking Dead, I became a fan of The Walking Dead. Um, I wasn't when it first came out. It took me a while to kind of warm up to it and say, all right, let me let me really get into it. Yeah. The Walking Dead was a graphic novel first. It was created by, co-created by this guy, Kirkman. And, you know, it was a different take on the zombie genre. Yeah. Yeah. And especially done in, in a comic book, in a graphic novel way. Mm-hmm. It was interesting, I guess, because he gave the people personalities and a story. And he mm-hmm. kind of like created a society existing yeah, in like the zombie a, world. A, apocalypses society. Yeah. And and to do that in a, in a comic book was challenging. Mm-hmm. And, and he did it successfully and he got a lot of fans, right? But then when they turned it into a TV series and they made it 
you know, really um, thrilling to kind of go episode to episode to episode mm-hmm. and adapting all his stories from the comic book into the show. Mm-hmm. I think that's what made it really iconic. Now, I don't know what else this guy's going to do in the future, but yeah. he gets an honorable mention for doing this one big thing that affected, I think, a decade, right? And it affected. Still- <laughs> yeah. It's still a thing. People still watch The Walking Dead and still look forward to new episodes, new seasons. Yeah. So I don't know. Exactly. I don't know what else he's going to be able to do after having the stamp of Of doing this one thing. Yeah. But but at least he did it. And and it's part of pop culture. And he can say, hey, I invented that thing that you all are going so crazy about. Yeah. And and The Walking Dead, you know, inspired imitation and all that. Yeah, a lot of other shows. Kudos to him. Kudos to all you artists out there. Um, Happy Halloween. Culture talk, Carla. Yes, culture talk. Well, spooky. Spooky talk. <laughs> well, um, on this culture talk, I wanted to go through a list of Spanish horror movies. Oh, so, I like that. These are horror movies that are in Spanish language or in foreign language. Foreign language. Yeah, because I just have one that. <laughs> <laughs> An honorable mention. Yeah, that is it. Enough foreign language. Um, so, uh, this list, uh, I have to say thank you to my friend Kayla. She had another friend. Uh, his name is Gabo, and he's really into movies. And she shared with me this list that he shared with her. Nice. <laughs> so, um, I have some that he recommended. I looked up maybe one or two others that I watched before and that I thought that they were... Uh, a part of this genre that we're talking about okay okay I'm, I'm here for this yeah so the first one that you guys have to watch if you want to get scared and spooky this halloween um <laughs> is <Yes. laughs> el espinazo del diablo how you say it in english uh is the devil's i think it was called the devil's backbone i think yeah i think that's what it was called um it's a drama horror it was released in 2001 and it was directed by Guillermo del Toro. Uh, the synopsis of it says after Carlos, a 12 years old whose father has died in the Spanish Civil War, arrives up an ominous ominous arrives at an ominous boys orphanage. He discovers the school is haunted and has many dark secrets that he must uncover. Now, that, that little summary brings it into my head again. Now I remember it, yeah. It's a good one. Yeah? It's a good one, yeah. I have to watch it. I've you haven't seen it? I've never seen it. It's a good one. It. I don't know if it's scary. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's like a little more fantasy scary. That's what I was going to say. A lot of these movies, because this, I feel like this genre is not that... Um, that people people in in the Spanish language they don't really watch this genre. So a lot of these movies are either more drama or fantasy than what is horror. Right. But because it's seen as something out of the ordinary, it's taken as horror or right. it's scary because it doesn't follow the formula of a regular drama or a telenovela or a comedy. Well, 
Well, okay, so this movie, there is, there is um, supernatural element. Yeah. Um, it goes along with like the whole like uh, ghost stories and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing and uh, and and spirits. And yeah, yeah. So it's it's in that world. Yeah. It's just that at this point in 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 modern film. Yeah. Spirits and ghosts don't necessarily don't equal nec- yeah. horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they could, they, they don't even equal a scary movie sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now you have happy ghosts. It's you know true. what I mean? Like you have like romantic romantic stories with ghosts. So, yeah, it's true. It's true. So that's why like ghosts alone don't equal horror. Horror. But the movie's a little yeah, it's got yeah. some scares and stuff. Yeah. Okay, so I wa- I will watch it and though. I'll let you guys know what I think. All right. Uh, so the next one is Veronica. Um, it was released in 2017. Uh, it's described as a supernatural horror drama. Um, it was directed by Paco Plaza, um, and it says that it was loosely based on true events from 1991, Valle- Vallecas case where Stefania Gutierrez Lazaro died mysteriously after she used a Ouija board. Ah. Um, this movie is on Netflix, so I'm going to watch it maybe tomorrow so i can get scared for halloween okay veronica um, it's called and it's called veronica wow yeah i haven't heard of this now i want to watch it me neither um i saw some reviews and people are saying supposedly that it's very scary i don't know but we'll watch it and we'll let yeah, you yeah yeah i want to see this it's good it's a new one um if you guys are watching on netflix i would recommend you can put your subtitles in english watch the movie in spanish easy and that way you don't get that scared because you're reading what is happening true Um, okay, so the next one is called Kronos. Um, it was released in 1993. I heard of this, yeah. It was uh, directed also by Guillermo del Toro. Um, and it says that it was an antique dealer, Jesus Gris, stumbles across Kronos, a 400-year-old scarab that when it, that when it lashes onto him, grants him youth, and eternal life but also a, a threats no a, but also a thirst for blood oh so he becomes thirsty maybe for blood. like a zombie type of because he's thirsty for blood or a vampire he could be a vampire yeah gotta watch that one or too cannibal that one is is kind of old 1993 20 years no not 20 years 25 years i'm 25 (laughs) (laughs) so that one is cool because it tells you the story a kind of history of horror movies in spanish language (laughs) so and then continuing with the list um i have chrono crimenes time crimes which is like probably the third time we brought this movie up on the show we're a big fan of this movie i guess so on episode 25 you can you guys can go back to episode 25 and listen to our review of the movie we made a review for time crimes (laughs) which is a crazy review and it's got full of spoilers but yeah but whatever (laughs) no actually we avoided some of the spoilers but for that one yeah for that one we try to avoid the spoilers um so it's a 2007 movie um was directed by nacho Vigalondo, and it's described as a horror sci-fi even though for me it wasn't really a horror movie it was more a sci-fi fantasy thriller thriller definitely a thriller yeah 
that the, the angle is, is is to keep you on on the edge of your seat and you're nervous and you're the sci-fi element keeps you confused and keeps you kind of figuring out the puzzle mm-hmm. the horror slash thriller element is what keeps you un like nervous, nervous and uneasy yeah. so yeah. you're you're trying to figure it out but at the same time you don't want to because it's like oh what's gonna happen what's yeah. Gonna, yeah it's pretty good yeah. very good yeah so you guys go back to episode 25 time crimes listen to our episode Corona Criminals. and listen to our review okay keep going okay so the next one is uh witching and bitching what las brujas de sugaramurdi <laughs> What is um, that? <laughs> I, I gotta this see is this weird. One. <laughs> it was released in 2013, directed by Alex de la Iglesia. Okay. And the synopsis says, begins with a man in a full Jesus outfit, painted silver and robbing a bank, who in fleeing with his co-conspirators, ends up in the clutches of a coven of cannibal witches. Whoa. So a bank robber ends up trying to escape and ends up yeah. in the middle of a bunch of witches, cannibal, cannibal. cannibal witches. So that already end, sounds interesting. Yeah, he might end up being eaten or whatever. Ah, I don't really. Know, I would. Yeah, from that description, it makes me sound like no. Yeah, <laughs> it makes it sound because like he fights. Telling you already. Yeah, it makes it sound like he fights his way out. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Maybe we'll watch it too. Um, another one, and this is the last one before my honorable mention, is Here Comes the Devil. Oh, yeah. Or Ahí va el Diablo. Yeah. Um, that one is a horror thriller. That one is a horror, yeah. It was released in 2012, um, directed by Adrián García Bogliano. Mexican, right? It's a Mexican film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it says, a couple... A couple lose their children near some caves in Tijuana, Mexico. When finally they are found, it becomes clear that something terrifying has changed them. Yeah. And that movie is just um is that is horror because um it talks about No, no spoilers. Yeah, not spoilers, but the content is, is the the content is um, uncomfortable right to watch yeah so then and then when you're watching that's why it becomes a horror movie because you're the whole time you're like what's going on also horror because in spanish culture a lot of horror a lot of classic horror from spanish culture is related to the devil to the devil like things that have to do with satan the devil mm-hmm. the dark arts cults and things bad like that spirits bad spirits and all that kind of stuff so that aspect of it is really yeah. turned up in this in this movie, in this movie. um taboo things yeah. all kinds of stuff like that and without spoiling anything um i think the movie has um how can i say it without spoiling it mm. um i guess i guess the i'll say it like this let's change it. so it, it's directed in mm-hmm. a way mm-hmm. that leads the story along mm-hmm. and reveals things slowly mm-hmm. in an uncomfortable way exactly. that when you start to realize what's happening and you start to guess what's happening even though you already figure it out quickly exactly you just you're just seeing this uncomfortable thing progress and keep going and then you're like really and when that, is it gonna stop when is it gonna stop yeah like when it, can it just stop this movie already like this, yeah. is, this is bad yeah 
um and, and it and it i guess it doesn't leave you with any without spoiling anything leaves you with no hard like at the end it's not like jason or freddy is coming to kill you and then exactly. you kill him exactly like there's no. no like bad guy and then you kill the bad guy no it's kind of left like this is life exactly <laughs> then you're like, and this happened and this happened and, and, that's it. and next movie exactly. move on to whatever you're gonna do in your life yeah yeah, yeah that's leaves, a good one it leaves you uncomfortable it's a good uh one. so the last one that i have on my list is high tension which is not a spanish movie it's a french uh movie it's a horror thriller i nominate that one and i've been telling my sons they've been always asking me dad 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 what's a good horror movie dad but what's the scariest movie you've ever seen dad dad what's the scary and they they want to keep asking me what and they, they asked me about freddy they asked me about halloween they asked me about friday the 13th they asked me about jason and all this shit and i'm like those movies aren't even scary anymore like yeah. I, that's not even scary and they keep asking me well what about hellraiser and i'm like yeah hellraiser but hellraiser is not really scary though it's just right. gross right so high tension high tension is my nomination and i keep telling them that when they're yes. old enough or they're ready yes that, that one is, is the one. That's everybody. the one. High tension is the one that I nominate as um, best Surprisingly, horror. when I looked it up online, people weren't... The reviews that it was having, it wasn't that good. Really? Um, but I still think that it's a great horror movie because it makes up the bloody elements of a horror movie and then the thriller and then... Well, the, everything that happens, I'm not going to tell you a lot of it and because there's, there's I twists, want you guys yeah. to see it and then maybe you guys can comment on what do you think about the movie and what do you think about the, the ending of the movie, which is the most um, uncomfortable part of all of it. Yeah. Um, but it was released in 2003 and it was directed by Alexander uh, Aja or Aja. I um, mean, basically, two friends, they go to the family house of one of them in the countryside of French, uh, of France, sorry. And then when they get there, things get crazy. Um, and the parents of the friend get killed, and then that's how things progress. Yeah. Um, it's just, uh, I, I've never seen a movie like that until you showed it to me. Yeah. And yeah, and, it, and you're still shocked. And yeah, I'm still shocked. <laughs> Even though I know what happened in the movie, I can watch it again and still feel like, oh my god, I cannot believe it. High, high tension. I think, I think it's a movie. Well, I heard about it first, like the reviews and all that. They were like, yeah, high tension. This French movie, you gotta see it. It's you know, it's a shocking movie, whatever. And I was like, okay, I'll see it. Mm -hmm. And it's not a movie that when I was a kid, I would have been like, oh, great horror movie. Mm -hmm. For sure. I would have been like, what is this? But I wouldn't have imagined it as a great horror movie. But I think as an adult, I can see that I I've seen that movie, I think, three times. Mm -hmm. And I can watch it again. And I think I'll still be bugging. Like, yeah. I will still watch it and be like, wow, is I know what the ending is. I know the story. Yeah. But as I'm watching it, holy shit is that it's also psychological it's more about the story not only what you're seeing but also what you can imagine yeah with the story yeah and and um i think it's well written and well directed and well pieced together so that it keeps you putting the parts together, together. and then at the end when they flip it on you you're like wow. and you're still thinking about oh, yeah. the whole movie about how did it happen or how and that's why it's a psychological thriller horror. And and 
And for you guys that like your blood, your gore, or your violence, and all, it's loaded with violence. Exactly. It's loaded with blood. So it's got all those things in it, but it's well written and well, yeah. well, well directed. So that's another good one, High Tension. Yeah. So go watch your horror movies, Spanish and foreign languages. I hope you have some words for yes, me. Yes, I have some words for you. How do you say horror? <laughs> Seriously? Yes. Horror or horror? Yes. Horror. Okay, let's let's stick on this. Horror is horror. Mm-hmm. Horror. How do you say gore? Is there a word for gore? There should be. I don't know it. I don't know it. How do you say bloody? Ah, I had that one on my list. Why are you taking my words? <laughs> it's around the same thing. Sangriento. Sangriento, no sangriente. No, sangriento. Sangriento, sangriento is bloody. Mm-hmm. Um, but so then gore, how do you say gore? So here it says that gore is sangre. No. O poner sangre. Wow. La sangre, dice. I'm not sure. Mm. What about gory? Oh, because gore can be... Ese, dice la sangre derramada. La sangre derramada. Okay. All right, I think I get I get where the word's coming from, gore and gory. Okay. Go ahead. What other words you got for me? And gory is sangriento. Sangriento. So it's almost the same as yeah. bloody. So graphically bloody. So, uh, how do you say ghost? Ghost? Ooh, I think there's a couple of words for ghost. There's a few words. Ghost can be fantasma. Yeah, that's a word. But that's phantasm, also in English, or uh, or phantom. Um, But ghost can also be like um, fantasma on like a like a spirit, spirito. Yeah, they say that. Right? Spirito. Spirito. Mm-hmm. So, but spirito in the religious sense. Yeah. Ghost, fantasma in the occult Fantasy. sense. Yeah. Sense, yeah. Okay, how do you say orphanage? <laughs> orphanage, that's a good one. Orphanage, orfanato? Orfanato. Orfanato. Mm-hmm. Orfanato. Okay. Orfanato, orphanage. How do you say witch? Which is bruja. Yes. But I think there's another word. No. No? Okay. I mean, not that I know of. Okay, so which is bruja? Uh, how do you say nightmares? Ooh, nightmares. That's a good one because it sounds nothing like nightmare. Exactly. I love words like this. So nightmare is pesadilla. Yes. Not pesadilla. It's just pesadilla, pesadilla. If it's nightmares, is pesadillas, but... Yeah, yeah, no, pesadilla, yeah, pesadilla. No. Okay. Um, how do you say torture? Torture uh, is like Shakira, la tortura. Yes. Tortura. Um, and how do you say... This is the last one I have. How do you say psychological? Psychological is psychological. Yes. Psychological. Yes, you're right. I got it. 
Um, how do you say thriller? Uh, thriller is suspenso. Película de suspenso mm -hmm. is thriller. Mm -hmm. Okay. How do you say Halloween? Well, <laughs> they say... They who? <laughs> no, it said uh, Dia de las Brujas. Dia de las Brujas? How do you say in Spanish? Yeah. Dia de las Brujas. Day of, day of the Witch. Yeah. Dia okay. de las Brujas. Um, on Halloween, mm -hmm. you go trick or Is there a word a word that you guys use for trick or treat, or is it just trick or treat? Trick or treat. Trick or treat. Trick or treat. dulce. Okay. Um, what about costumes? How do you say costume? Disfraces. Mm, that's a good one. Disfraces. Disfrazarse. Que diferente de vestuario? Because you can use costumes in English to say like... Co costumes. Costumes. To say like the costumes that they use, let's say, if they're doing a play. Oh, okay. So how do you say that? Vestuario. Okay. Versus when you're dressing up for, for Halloween, it would be disfrazarse. Disfraces. It's a, there's a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because one is one is a, a costume, like you say, a costume, an outfit, like an outfit, like a uniform. It's a vestuario. Right, like an like a car, like a character's costume. Yes. Versus a disguise. Mm -hmm. A disguise is a. It's a disfraz. A disfraz. Mm -hmm. Skeleton. Esqueleto. Pumpkin. A jack o' lantern. Yeah, that I don't know. I mean, I know what is a pumpkin. What's Una a calabaza. A calabaza, okay. But I don't, I don't know think I don't think there's a word for it. How to call it when they're a light jack up. a yeah. jack o' lantern? Yeah, I don't know. Calabaza encendida. <laughs> <laughs> calabaza prendida. Vampire. Vampiro. Vampiro. Werewolf. <laughs> That uh, one they play around there. Hombre lobo. Yeah, exactly. Man wolf. <laughs> Werewolf is, is man wolf, hombre lobo. And what about mummy? Momia. Very good. Alright guys, happy Halloween. Alright. Yes. Yes, girl. Yes. Alright, another episode done. <laughs> yes. Um, next episode is going to be episode 52. 52. What are we going to be talking about then? Um, well, I'm going to be... What am I going to be talking about? I forgot. Oh, okay. Sorry. So I'm going to be talking about Dia de los Muertos. I'm going to explain a little bit about the Mexican tradition, festivities. What is it about? Okay. And I'm going to talk about drawing skulls. Yes. <laughs> 